Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network, now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Doctor Who After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Doctor Who After Show. Hey there, Whovians. You know what time it is. You just watched the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special, and you want to talk about it. So we are here at AfterBuzz TV doing the Doctor Who After Show. I am Matt Lieberman. Unfortunately, uh, my intrepid co-host Jenna Bush could not join us this evening. Uh, we miss her, and we, we love her, and uh, hopefully she will be back with us this Christmas. But instead, I have a fantastic panel of folks here to help me talk about the episode. Uh, I'm going to introduce them right now. Uh, blogger and, and podcaster, Miss Yael Tigil. Yael Tigil. Yael Tigil. Welcome. And uh, my fantastic co-host from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Megan Salinas. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Uh, we also have some guests coming on later on in the episode. We have uh, Gian Molina, who's uh, one of the members of the fantastic Doctor Who Live improv troupe. If you have not seen them perform one of their episode live episodes of Doctor Who, you have not lived until you've seen it. Uh, and also Alan Kistler, who wrote the book uh, 50 Years of Doctor Who, is going to be calling in to give us uh, his perspective on the episode. So, uh, Yale, uh, Megan, what an episode. I personally loved it. It kind of, it made up for a lot of the disappointment I experienced in season seven. Uh, I don't know if I'm speaking for all fans when I say that. What did you guys think? It was definitely epic. They took the 50th anniversary and said, hey, you know what? We're going to make it amazing. Uh, they packed in everything you wanted to see in a 50th uh, anniversary and and really just rocked it. I'm a little incoherent right now because I'm just trying so hard not to do a really loud fangirl squeeze, <laughs> but I haven't been this excited to watch Doctor Who in a long time, and this really, really brought back, you know, all those feelings that made me love Doctor Who in the first place. Like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. Yeah. No, I thought that uh, Matt Smith and uh, and David Tennant and <laughs> John Hurt just had great chemistry oh, yeah. together. All three of them. I was not expecting that, but they played off each other so well. Expertly. It was so cute. I know. <laughs> and, like, it, the amazing thing to me was just how... How seamless, uh, how seamless David Tennant's re-entry into the series was. Like, not only was his performance pitch perfect, I felt like Moffat 
had uh, relearned how to write for 10. Like, the jokes were yes. different. Like, not just performed different, but written differently. He had, you know, bigger props. He had the machine that goes ding. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yes. You're just a rabbit, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like that could have been either either 10 or 11. I missed him so much. I know. It was, you're absolutely right. He slid right back into the position. It was like putting on an old glove. It was, You know, he was perfect. It was well, great to see him back again. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like when Matt Smith came in and 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 Stephen Moffat took over. I was so taken with season five that I was just like, God, if only we had gotten one full season of David Tennant run <laughs> by Stephen Moffat, you know, just to see what that was like. Because I personally, I'm a big Moffat fan. I know he has his detractors, right? Uh, and we're gonna get into some of that a little later on. There's been some controversy since we went off the air back in May. Uh, but we're here talking about Day of the Doctor. So, uh, our doctors are thrown together thanks to the moment, which is, uh, this awful Time Lord device, this Gallifreyan device that, uh, is so powerful it developed its own AI system that judges you if you use it. And this is what... What a great idea. I know. <laughs> I, I wish my computer had an AI, I mean, preferably one that looked like Billy Piper, right. but uh, that judged me any time that I was being lazy and just was browsing the web. I would hate that. I would too. Like, to have my operating system going, really, you're going to Facebook again? Really? Don't you have homework? Yeah. Really? Really? Yes, Shame really. Shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about like just the scope of the episode? I loved how it tied in, uh, all of the, all of the tropes of new who, like, you know, going into the time war, we had to see it eventually. Right. We had to see it eventually. I really like where this episode left the series and we're going to get into that, uh, a little more as we go forward. Um, I loved I love that we finally saw who the doctor married. Now back it was like <laughs> what it was uh it was the final special, the final David Tennant special where he lands on the planet of the Ood and he says got married. That was he, a mistake. He actually <laughs> says in uh the end of time part 1 he says that he married uh good old Queen Bess and that they don't call her that anymore. He says that he also was uh referenced back in the Shakespeare code where uh, Queen Elizabeth I shows up at the end to see Shakespeare. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, My and, sworn enemy. Right. And he's like, I don't know what I've done yet. And it's great. I love so it. so great. Yes. Um, I like that they finally explained it to us. They were like, hey, remember when we said that? Here's how it went down. It took a long time for that punchline to so hit. So worth it. <laughs> yeah. So worth it. There wasn't really any wasted time. Uh, which actually brings me to my first topic that I want to talk about. So, the last episode that we saw, we saw Name of the Doctor. We were left on this monster of a cliffhanger. Right. When we were still inside the Doctor's time stream, and we finally saw the face of the War Doctor. And uh, we we come into this special... And we've skipped over how Clara's still alive, um, <laughs> how Clara's still alive, and uh, we, we're we just thrown right into the action with Clara and the Doctor as the TARDIS is picked up and lifted and mm -hmm. flown over the Thames. And, uh, you know, uh, okay, okay, we actually, we have Gian Molina on the line. He's joining us uh, for, uh, from outside the studio. Gian, are you with us? Hello, hello. Hey, hey, how are you? Hey, happy 50th. Happy 50th, <laughs> Yay, man. Happy anniversary. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, first of all, I, I love just your immediate first impressions. I know you just watched it for the first time. 
Yeah, I did. I waited. I waited to uh, before this interview uh, to kind of keep it fresh in my mind. Like I, I just put the remote down. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. Jesus, Steve <laughs> Robin is a genius. Obviously, we all know this, but even more so with. Oh my God! I'm, yeah, I'm still. I'm, I'm giddy. I'm You're giddy. freaking out. You Little don't have your shot. words yet. <laughs> I don't have my words yet. I mean, here's the thing. Now I, I I'm gonna now go see this. I'm going to try to see this on Monday or Tuesday at uh, the theater because that battle was insane looking. I know. I'm going. Uh, I'm and going I'm tomorrow. So- I'm going tomorrow night uh, at Century City. It's going to oh be awesome. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. It, just, it was. I mean, it, it had it had movie like effects and quality, and seeing all three doctors like that, and and all the TARDIS lined up at the end. I'm just. I'm just in. Yeah, I'm, I don't have my words yet. I don't have my words yet. Let's. Yeah, you're in joy shock. So let me let me steer you to where we are in the conversation. So we Wonderful. we were talking about how name of the doctor left off on this huge monster of a cliffhanger, and we mm-hmm. kind of skip over what could have conceivably been months since we were inside the doctor's time stream and we saw the war doctor, right. and now everything's just fine. I when I first saw that. I was confused and a little hurt, and then the episode was so good that I kind of immediately forgot of ha- forgot about being upset and just went with it. That's the beauty of, of and, I, and I think this is why Doctor Who, for 50 years, I think it'd go another 50, it's when you're dealing with time travel and the way the brilliant minds who are writing this uh, play with time and play with the concept of time locks and alternate universes, you can forgive a lot of that stuff. And also, you're not missing out on anything. It, it all will make sense or all will calculate at the end. And this episode, especially, magically uh, used time travel in a way where, yeah, we didn't care where it left off. We picked up immediately right there. And it, now it, it actually wrapped up something that it's from its history. Yeah. So now we can continue on here with new adventures, uh, with new, with now a, a new future that the Doctor has. Yeah. Well, and, Gian, and Gian, really, I want to, I really want to hear, because uh, Megan and Yale didn't really get an opportunity to talk about the top of the episode. I really want to hear their thoughts on on the opening and whether or not you were disappointed yes. in in seeing how this co- this conflict resolved itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I first want to just point out that uh, Clara was writing the words "no more" were on her whiteboard. Yeah, in oh. the way yes. beginning, yes. super subtle. Um, I just wanted to point that out there, which made me <laughs> fangirl squee inside. Uh, but I think that that yes, there was a lot that was left open from the last episode. I think we're gonna eventually get, hopefully, there. Um, I think the greatest part was when Clara uh, comes into the uh the prison where the three doctors are and she and and um Matt Smith says to her you you've met them you remember them and she's like kind of and i'm like but i want to know more about that i want i want you to explain that what does that mean Megan what do you think oh. Um, I really, I, I'm with you. I was initially confused and I, cause I, I just got caught up not recently, uh, just recently, um, in order to watch the 50th anniversary. And I was expecting us to pick up right where we left off. Um, 
But then, you know, but keeping in mind that there are lots of Whovians who haven't been watching it, the recent series, but who grew up with it, who want to watch this special. And keeping that in mind, it makes perfect sense for it to be sort of its own self-contained episode mm-hmm. with continuity and with the promise of, you know, Gallifrey yeah. in the future. But that makes me happy. I, honestly, and uh, this is going back to your point, Yale, and, and Gian, maybe you might back me up on this. Uh, like. Sure. I far prefer Clara as, like, an active thinking person than as, like, the impossible girl who was split into a million pieces. I know, like, the the, the completist in us wants to know how we okay. saved her because she wasn't technically alive anymore. Right. That doesn't make right. any sense. But... I, at the same time, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm happier that the whole mystery is over so that we can just have right. her be fun. Well, well here's we'll the thing. Get I that. mean, we'll her as I mean, I guess just explain that she was there with the doctor throughout just all of his regenerations, all of his timelines, and 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 they showed that in this. So now, and then now that she's actively helping out, and now she's the future. I think it makes all perfect sense. I mean, there are there are gaps in it, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's that explanation of throughout the that last season that allows her to be that person who can now. And she has Jack Hartnett from time travel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was glad we got like, a, a time a vortex manipulator in this episode. I'm exactly, so happy to exactly, see that. Uh, I, I I did miss Hartnett. I was I was glad that he was mentioned, but that was definitely a void for me. I was like. If Harkness would have just made an appearance somehow, or Torchwood in general, I would have freaked out. I would have flipped out. <laughs> I know. Well, every fan has their dream scenario of the episode of where Eccleston was there <laughs> and Harkness was there. And that's, right. all I, that's all I really want in life. I know. It's, Eccleston it's really hard because with all the expectations, it's really hard because we we all have what we wanted the episode to be yeah. and what the episode actually is. And what it is is really great. But I feel I, I'm yeah. afraid that people, because it wasn't what they wanted it to be, you know, it wasn't that. I honestly, I forgot about every dream I had with the exception of Eccleston. <laughs> With the exception of Eccleston, because I never could have imagined the episode that we got, and it was so great. Yes, agreed. And here's the thing: I bring up I bring up Jack Harkness only in hindsight, not talking about it. But at the time, I was just happy his name was said, and I was still just on board for the ride. I wasn't like, "Oh, you're not there." It was, was nice happy. to get the I nod. Just, I was in the moment. Yeah. I, I actually really like that they explained where the vortex manipulator went because the last time we saw it, River got it from um, Dorium. From Dorian? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we know where it ended up. That's nice. Yeah, that is nice. We we don't always get that kind no. of closure on Doctor I, Who. I feel <laughs> I feel satisfied. That was that was wonderful. Yes. Um, I also love how they use Billy Piper. Like Yeah, well I'm let, glad that like the way that Rose was used or the image of Rose was used. Right? I because that was really intelligent. Because that's the thing. This whole episode could have been so clunky. It could have. They it, oh, like yeah. Stephen Moffat smoothed over so many potholes on the way to doing it. Because you watch any of the classic crossover episodes, and don't get me wrong, I love them, but they to explain how the doctors all come together makes no sense. In this right. Episode using the moment as a device to bring them together, a device so powerful that it effectively could merge time streams and overcome paradoxes. It made it make sense and allowed us to just have fun. 
Well, I love that, that, you know how, like, the time vortex is a living thing, like, or the, it's, it, we wanted to use something from the doctor's memory, but it instead it used something from the future. Yes. Like, that current doctor didn't know Rose, so it was trying to communicate to the doctor as Rose thinking he would know, know her. The person is. Right. But as, yeah. as the moment said, I, I often get those two things confused. Uh, so it, it was her loss, our gain, or really her gain too, uh, cause she picked the right future for him to see. Um, right. and, well, and that's great too, because the very next incarnation is Eccleston and who's one of the first people that Eccleston meets is Rose Tyler. So it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together. And now. considering that, uh, the war doctor died, not like at the end of this, uh, at the end of this journey, she wasn't that far off. She was, you know, maybe, maybe 20 years off. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know how many years right. Eccleston's doctor spent flying around and saving people and just being sad well, we, before he met Rose. We know that when he meets Rose, it's the first time he looks in a mirror and sees his own, his new face. Oh, so exactly. then it could be, exactly. it could oh, be wow, the, so next, the he, next day. Yeah. He also did have plenty of time to like go and save a family from the Titanic and, you know, do, minor, do other adventures. Minor <laughs> detail. So he, he didn't see a mirror for a few days. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. Three days. Three days. <laughs> okay, the three-day rule of Doctor yeah. Who is Eccleston at three days before he met Rose. Right. Settled. I, I do Mystery gotta, solved. I want to say I think that it was uh, it was really smart of Moffat to use Billy Piper as that character and not... Because I know that lots of fans were saying, oh, well, if both Ten and uh, Rose are back, that means we're going to go to the ultimate, un- alternate, alternate universe, universe and, and it's going to be the human doctor. Right. And I'm so glad they didn't do that. It's so much... I, as, Agreed. Agreed. as disappointed I'm as so I glad. was that it wasn't Rose, I, it was still interesting and yeah. wonderful. And then no more dance that she did. <laughs> mm-hmm. That she did with her little... No, no more. more. No and, more and I'm also so glad cute. that they didn't do like a reunion with Rose and Ten. If anything, he just went bad wolf. Where'd you hear that? Like... Like, how do you know about that? Yeah. And that was it. Well, that's the it thing. It wasn't like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is is the season four finale is still controversial, and it takes right. a smart showrunner to realize, yeah, don't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's no, no, just... No, no. Exactly. Chapter is ended. Uh, um, and I think, honestly, your opinion about whether or not you wanted to see real Rose versus, you know, this being potentially smart depends on, you know, how important Rose is to you as a character. You know, a lot of people, Rose is their favorite companion of all time. Right. You know, personally, I'm a Donna guy. I think Donna was was the feistiest and the finest companion, at least in the modern era. Um, Donna Donna, and uh, and Martha are, my, are two of my favorite companions. And- I want more Harkness in there, obviously. <laughs> but I love that that they kind of, you know, kind of pay homage to Billy Piper's character. Totally. Through this. Yes. You know, like, it's not Rose, but it's the image of Rose, and it still has that personal connection to the Doctor. And Billy Piper was a huge, you know, a, a huge entity in this new regeneration of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you know, in our time right now. And so I love that they could celebrate the 50th with kind of being like, thank you, Billy Piper, for being Rose and for being such an important character and still, like, move on. We don't have to go back and kind of bring back the character. Yes. The image of the character is there. Yes. yes. And that's all we need. That's yeah. all we need. Uh, Gian, I, w- I want to thank you for joining us uh, tonight. I unfortunately I have to let you go because uh, we of got course. Alan calling in a little bit. But um, when, uh, I love Doctor Who Live. I'm a huge, huge fan. 
Um, can you tell uh, us and the folks at home uh, where they can find you, where they can see you guys? Uh, yeah, you know, you can find us on, well, just to kind of keep in, keep in touch with our, our dates, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Doctor Who Live LA or on Facebook at uh, Doctor Who Live LA as well. And uh, we're going to be performing at LostCon this coming Friday after Thanksgiving. So if you're off, you guys are going to LostCon, you'll see us there. And then we have a lot of cool things planned for December and 2014. And, uh, yeah, if you mention AfterBuzz, you guys get a two-for-one. So Ooh. that's going to be a, a 2014 uh, year-round uh, deal for everybody. Because I love AfterBuzz and I love uh, especially this uh, this show. So Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully I'll see you around. Wonderful, brother. All right. Goodbye, everybody. All right. Take Bye. care. All right. Big thanks to Gian Molina. I just want to take a quick second before we continue with our show here uh, to mention iTunes. Folks, thank you so much for all of you who in the past have reviewed the Doctor Who show on iTunes. It's a big, big part of what makes our show searchable. It's what makes us one of the best, if not the best, Doctor Who podcast on the web. Uh, if you have not done so and you want to support us here at AfterBuzz, we do over 60 shows a week, all for free. We don't get paid. We do it for you, the people. So if you want to support us, please go to iTunes, slap us with a five-star rating, uh, and let us know what you love about the show, what you think you could do, we could do better, what you're looking forward to with the next season and with the Christmas special. We can barely contain ourselves <laughs> with the excitement. Please, please do so. If you do not have iTunes, then uh, hit us up on the YouTube. Hit us up on the Twitter. We want to know what you think about the show. Uh, and if you don't have either of those options, you can always email AfterBuzz TV and let our bosses know how good of a job we do. You can email them at info at AfterBuzzTV.com and uh, subject line Whovians Unite and let them know what a glowing job we did. Fantastic. Now, I want to let everyone know uh, we are a little crunched for time tonight. Sunday is the busiest night at AfterBuzz TV. So, uh, obviously, we're not going to be able to touch on everything that we want to in this podcast. We are going to be doing an Adventure in Space and Time-centric podcast, hopefully this week. And we will touch on more of these topics uh, at a, uh, during that show or during the Christmas special. I don't know. Anyway, back to the show. I want to talk about the Zygons. When they were first announced, I was pretty underwhelmed. I'm like, really? The Zygons? That's what you're going to pick for the for the 50th anniversary special? Why do I care? They were great. I mean, they, they were like, I loved the I loved the costume, like the effects. You know, they were very smartly updated from the old versions from uh, the older seasons, and uh, I thought they packed a level of menace that I did not expect from them honestly what did you guys think oh. well um this is the first time i i haven't gotten to watch as much classic who as i would like so this is the first introduction to the zygons that i've ever seen but i'm i'm with you when i said started hearing that i was like oh come on i was fingers crossed for the cybermen because i'm a big cyberman girl um but but they were used really really well it was um just the the whole um the way you know we have what's going on with the Elizabeth sort of episode yeah. um, that that Matt Smith pops into like interrupts, and then the way that carried over um, to where we are now, where where Matt Smith and Clara are. I'm sorry, where the Doctor and Clara are in the museum, and the way that tied together. I was not expecting all that to get um, to flow together like it did. So that was yeah. great. 
I would have liked for it to wrap up, though. <laughs> well, I mean, it did wrap itself up. It, it, we didn't get to see it wrap up, no, necessarily. <laughs> it was very, very smoothly resolved. Um, I just want to take a moment to let everyone know, uh, we actually we have Alan Kistler on the oh. line right now. Alan, are you with us? Hey, what's up? Hey, Alan. Uh, not much. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Just hanging out. Sweet. Uh, so we're talking about the day of the doctor. I want first of all, what'd you think? I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm thanking you. I had nothing to do <laughs> with the episode. You had everything to do with the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I had everything to do with the episode. I taught Moffat everything he knows. Uh, not the truth. But um, I, I'm personally, I own your book. I love your book. Um, I want to know, you know, like, what were you expecting going into this special? Uh, and, you know, were your expectations met? Were they exceeded? And, and what do you think um, is going to come for, say, potentially the next 50 years of Doctor Who based on this special? I know that's a big question, but you're a big talent. Well, I mean... Yeah, obviously, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in the next <laughs> years. So oh, fantastic. Everybody pay attention. I'm, I'm Alan notes, is I'm talking. I'm kind of insulted that, that you implied I couldn't. I, I, I'm not sure what I can do with that. But, uh, so I, I was entering cautiously optimistic because while I've appreciated a lot of the writing and ideas, my favorite episodes have been the guest writers for the past couple of years. Hmm. Um, there's just... I think after Matt Smith's first season, it started getting way too much into the stories serving the paradox or the time idea rather than vice versa, where time was meant to just, time travel was meant to just bring you to the interesting story, and then you had the interesting story with its heart and its morality. And I felt like we lost that in a lot of the major arcs. Uh, but I knew that you know, the 50th anniversary, you're really going to pull out all the stops. And because of the way it was set out, it was obvious he was taking a lot more time with it. So I was really hoping that he would take Moffat and, and the whole crew would be able to have enough time to really go through things. Because, I mean, even the episodes that I don't like in the past couple of years, I, I look at them and I think this is pretty good. But it's just it's a first draft of something that could be really awesome. It's, it's almost there. And I figured they had enough time, and obviously we're putting enough care into it that we would probably get something good. And so I was cautiously optimistic. I figured, and I've been saying this at a few conventions, that Gallifrey would come back because uh, it just made the most sense to me. And it's, it's Doctor Who really renews itself, not just from the Doctors, but from changing the premise. Yeah. Uh, the first six years, he's been a complete fugitive, and you don't know where the hell he's from or who he's running from. And they really changed the premise by introducing the Time Lords. And then the third Doctor was now exiled to Earth for about three and a half years. And he couldn't leave. And then after that, he changed the premise again with the fourth Doctor and, and this whole thing. So our, our whole world got changed by introducing the idea that the Time Lords were all gone. And he was now the sole authority. And so I figured, okay, we've had that for seven seasons. The best way to really shake things up and get things interesting again you got to bring either the Time Lords back or you got to introduce a new time travel race that so you, you take the Doctor out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Well, it also, and this is honestly what excites me the most about Gallifrey coming back, is 
it, it, you're right. It changes the premise of the show because instead of running away from Gallifrey and then you know mourning Gallifrey, now the Doctor has something to go towards that's hopeful versus you know the slow march to his death, which we've been focusing on for the last three years. Um, which you know isn't necessarily the most fun thing in the world. We I, we've gotten a lot of great stories out of it, I think. But uh, I'm really excited that the Doctor is jazzed to be alive again because he, he hasn't been for a little while. Yeah, that's been definitely missing. You can feel it, mm-hmm. and, and I'm so excited. I think it's kind of what dragged down season seven is we didn't quite know like uh, how to how to feel about the Doctor, how he felt really about being alive. He was trying to solve this Clara mystery, but like. There wasn't anything propelling him forward, and now we have something to move towards. He had just lost Amy and Rory, and he's he's he keeps losing Clara, and then he he was about to die, and he's like, you know what? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna be hopeful. <laughs> now things yeah. are better. And he's been at least in in terms of our us watching, he's been mourning Gallifrey for the past seven seasons. This mm-hmm. is something that's been consistent throughout all the incarnations, the recent incarnations of the Doctor. And so this is a real shift, and it is very hopeful and very exciting, and I'm very excited talking about it. Yeah. Um, There's I, also a nice call back to uh, Sidney Newman back in 87. They had asked, he was the, the initial creator of Doctor Who, when the ratings were flagging and the BBC was getting pretty sick of the show, but then were afraid to really cancel it because when they tried to, the England and the UK as a whole basically said no. <laughs> uh, they went to Sydney Newman and asked, what are some ideas that maybe you, you have to revise the show and, and make it fresh again? And he gave them a memo of, these are what uh, I will do if you bring me back as producer. And the very first note was, the doctor needs to get back to Gallifrey, but something's preventing him. So he, the doctor will be searching for Gallifrey, and this will be a whole new thing because up until that point, he was running from Gallifrey or trying to avoid the Time Lords because they were jerks. And uh, and and so this is kind of going back to that concept. Sidney Newman's memo also suggested that the doctor become a woman. Hey. He thought that was totally possible and overdue. It is but overdue. It's still overdue. Agreed. Yep. Weird. Still overdue. Um, Alan, uh, do you have any thoughts on Peter Capaldi or what you think is going to be coming up in the Christmas special? I personally, even for just like that hot second, the passion and fury <laughs> in the eyes literally yeah. made me rise from my seat and I ran around my friend's apartment for a solid 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was in the theater in Times Square watching the simulcast, oh. and the uh, which sounds like a humble brag. Now that I think about it, I'm, not <laughs> a I'm just watching the simulcast. No big. Sorry, I'm jealous. But, but I, I'm trying I'm trying to paint a context here where so you're surrounded by all these people, and you've got the whole team up happening, and there's sort of this like, oh, this is so sweet. Oh, and they brought everyone back. Oh, and there's like polite applause. Like, oh man. We all feel like a hug. And, oh my God, Capaldi! <laughs> it's, just, it's it's just like the whole theater just went. Oh my God, what 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 did we just what? And, and we just were all taken aback. And I I really did expect some reference to him because it's just it's such a unique opportunity. You you actually have a multi doctor team up, yet you know who the next doctor is going to be. Right. But I was expecting. Some kind of weird dream sequence, or Capaldi in silhouettes during some psychic vision, or something like 
a door is closing and you know that he was nearby, but maybe you only see his shoulder or something. I did not expect something like this. No, instead, his voice, his voice like thunder. (laughs) It's beautiful. No, 13. (laughs) Pow! It was great. Yeah, and... And again, the eyes. Like I immediately, I was just like, "Oh, oh, we've got old Doctor back. We've yeah. got William Hartnell, Christopher Eccleston, Wrath of God, like Time Lord back." Like we've been missing uh, this. Like Matt Smith, he he does a great job with like relaying that age and the level of like darkness and malice that you know is in the darkest part of the Doctor's heart. Uh, doctor's hearts, mind you. Uh, <laughs> Both but but he doesn't have it in the face, and like that, just like seeing that, even for an instant, I'm like, oh my god, they made the right choice. Thank goodness. Oh, I, I always viewed Matt Smith as sort of the doctor. He knows he's getting older now, so he's sort of getting a little introspective and reexamining his life as he do. And but here, I I saw the eyes, and immediately I just thought, oncoming storm. No, I get it totally. Um, I have one one more question for you um, that I'm very curious about. So we had that very nice uh, visit with Tom Baker at the end of the episode, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, which was like a beautiful little scene. But more interesting are the, the uh, ramifications of what's discussed in that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, as you get older, you're going to go on a farewell tour uh, but just your favorites, you know, basically just play the hits. But we never really have ever heard of the Doctor being able to revisit past regenerations before. And we also know where the Doctor is going to be buried. We also know that because of the War Doctor, Peter Capaldi is technically the 13th Doctor. Uh, right. What do, you, what do you make of this in terms of canon and ruling, or is this just some sort of fever dream that we're going to have to swallow? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt Smith just went a little crazy because he was so <laughs> delighted to be happy. Um, no, I, I totally took it as like, okay, so this is a possible future. Um, you know, it's definitely not... The necessary future. He himself says, "This is your choice. You choose your destiny." And if anything, this episode was basically, and it's pretty much epitomizing Peter Capaldi's eyes. Screw you, destiny. Uh, <laughs> we we choose our own path. Um, so this is a possible future of a doctor who, yeah, goes on. And I took revisits old faces as he might revisit his own old form. Yeah. And and this is someone. This is a doctor who through some means or another, as has happened once before with the Master, broke the 13th life rule, uh, or had it broken for him, who knows. Yeah. And is older now and retired and feeling sentimental, decided that maybe his fourth personality was kind of the most fun, would be the most fun to be a museum curator in, so why the hell not? Uh, I I kind of, I, I adored it. I thought it was a wonderful thing. And he points out himself, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Uh, this is this is a show that engenders imagination, and you should wonder. Uh, there's also a beautiful tie-in with uh, the the Bells of St. John episode. You saw one of Clara's uh, kids that she's looking after is reading Amy Pond's book. Yes. Uh, Snow Falls, I think it's called, right. And, and you can get that as an e-book. And if you read it, it's about a girl who meets some interesting people and a magical cat. And one of the interesting people she meets is a museum curator who's only known as the curator and is clearly based on the doctor. Whoa. Okay. 
<laughs> looks like I know what I'm reading next. <laughs> yeah, right? It looks like I got something for Thanksgiving weekend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan, and I want to thank you Christmas so list. much for joining us. It's been a real, real pleasure. Um, can you sure. tell the, the folks at home where they can find your book and where they might be able to find you online? You can find Doctor Who a History on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Ask local booksellers for it. The audiobook narrated by myself is available through Amazon and other places and audible.com. I am on Twitter constantly, at Sizzler Kitzler, K-I-S-T-L-E-R. I'm also on Tumblr, and I have uh, right now on Wired.com in the Underwire section, you can find a piece I just recently did on 10 ideas and stories that Doctor Who decided were just too weird <laughs> to air, and including that the master was originally supposed to be a woman. And uh, also, I have coming soon to Wired uh, annotations on Day of the Doctor, going through all the references and, and what uh, characters were originally seen in tie-in media and stuff like that. Great. Well, uh, definitely tweet that at us. We'll tweet that out to our followers. I'm very, very excited to read those annotations. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Take care, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Um, I just want to take a quick second and uh, and throw a shout out to Soaring Chris 137, uh, who is watching us live. He tweeted at us during the show um, about the top of the episode. He said there is no mystery when the doctor uh, came in. It, it was highly implied that he was an anchor to the real world, addressing the end of the name of the doctor. Um, so, like, okay, in grabbing Clara in the time stream, he was bringing her back. Hence, we have resolved this. Uh, doesn't necessarily resolve the TARDIS that they broke getting to Trenzalore, but we'll leave that for another day. Uh, another tweet that he, he sent out to us, he said, he feels that they should have excluded Capaldi because that almost implies that he will be the last Doctor. I I understand that thought, Soren Chris, but I have to say, he's so cool, I don't care. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that we did get him. Uh, we, we are short on time, however, so I just want to, I just want to address, I want to get your thoughts on the Christmas special, you two, and then I want to talk about a bit of controversy, uh, Moffat-wise, that I was alerted to in the six months since season seven ended. So, where, what do you think is going to happen, uh, in the Christmas special and, and beyond? Uh, Christmas special, I believe that we will get, uh, an answer that may be a little different than what our friends on Twitter think, um, to what, where we left off. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to see uh, how things are going down, how we got out of Trenzalore, how we got to Trenzalore, uh, more so, the the battle. Um, I think it's going to be similar to the Pandorica, where all the different uh, villains show up, and they're like, hey, we came to attack you again. Because <laughs> it worked theory. so well yeah. the last time. <laughs> yeah, that's my theory. Right, and he's so pissed off that they all came and ganged up on him that he becomes Peter Capaldi. <laughs> ah! That would be amazing, right? Like it's he's 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 rage doctor. Something's got to piss him off, Megan. Um, goodness, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, it feels like um, it feels very similar to the Pandorica, and that you know this sort of super legion of doom, you know, of the Doctor <laughs> Who universe is gathering on Trenzalore. Um, you know, we have the weeping angels, and we have the silence. You know, it's. It's always creepy when those two are together. Mm -hmm. We've never seen them together before. So it will be very interesting. And um, just the tagline, silence will fall. You know, and the fact that this is the doctor's grave, this is his final resting place, and we have the silence there. I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, we're obviously going to get that 
what happens on Trenzalore wrapped up and everything, and that's going to get taken care of, obviously. Yeah. Because and also, the silence will fall mystery, which is three years in the making, for <laughs> crying out loud. Um, so I'm excited to see see that potentially finally be be ended. The thing that I'm most excited about with uh, Gallifrey coming back is we had very very slyly towards the top of the seventh season we were introduced to the Shakri, um, which are it's a Gallifreyan. Uh, story that that parents tell to their kids before they put them to sleep if i'm remembering correctly of this uh this alien race that judges whether or not a race has a right to exist um and uh the doctor always thought they were a myth and then as soon as we saw them uh, the episode was over and then we haven't heard anything about them since i totally think he's gonna find gallifrey and bring it back and then as soon as the shakri find out that gallifrey's back they're gonna try to wipe out Gallifrey. And then he's going to have something to fight for again. Exactly, which is going to be totally boss. Okay, so um, I, I I heard, I read some articles uh, over over the course of the uh, of the six month break, and um, in also talking with my two lovely co hosts, uh, that's there's a portion apparently um, of the Doctor Who fandom that feels that Stephen Moffat is a bit misogynistic in how he he writes his episodes. Uh, this was news to me, and it, it kind of it ca- caused me to kind of revisit uh, a lot of what we've seen. Uh, I feel like you guys both have strong, strong opinions on it, and I, I just wanted to address it just because I, it was it was such a, a surprise to me that I'd overlooked it because I, I consider myself a feminist, and I, you know, I love this show because we have such strong female characters. I thought in this episode. While they didn't get enough to do, because it was it was a, a three doctor episode, how are you ever going to give the companion enough to feel like it's it's an even amount? I still thought uh, Clara had stuff to do, and she's still very heroic. What do you think? I think the first two times we met Clara, she was this feisty girl who would fight, who was smart. The first right. time we met her, we she was loved a her in both of those. And then after that, something happened. It's a different Clara in a different uh, time with a different Doctor ish. Uh, mm-hmm. That she's this weak, dumb. The first time we really meet this Clara, she doesn't know how to use the internet. Uh, yet the first time we met Clara, she was the genius who erased the Doctor from the Daleks' history. Yeah. Uh, so, in this episode specifically, I feel like Moffat um, may have said a few things that are, are written a few things that could have come off uh, misogynistic. Uh, do you have do you have examples? And I've, you totally just blew my mind, and I'm going to come back to what you just blew my mind about because there was. And anyway, please uh, continue. The examples that I have in this one is uh, first when Queen Elizabeth I uh, is explaining how she defeated um, the Zygon, Zygon yeah. where she says that um, they thought that she's a, a weak and feeble woman, and, and therefore she killed the weak and feeble woman. Right, but that it, putting that in context, and this is how I took it. Was she first of all? She had just mocked the doctors for think uh, for thinking that they were you know so manly, and then she said that kind of in conjunction with that, she was still mocking them. I think because she felt okay, you guys are underestimating me. Uh, and w- was that the same scene where the doctor was like, was like, you're obviously not the real one. You smell and yeah, like blah blah blah, all this that, stuff. That and she's just kind of like, wow, really? <laughs> the thing that uh, honestly, if there was anything that was even a little bit sexist to me in that scene, it was that she still wanted to marry him after all that garbage. <laughs> that is a great example. 
that she, well, yes, I can defend myself, but I, I'd still love to marry you even though you're so mean to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that that is necessarily what it is, but right. it's possibly that it can be interpreted in a... Yeah, none well, of us are accusing uh, Stephen Moffat of misogyny, but the the argument is there to be made. Um, and a few people have. Megan? There are a lot of things throughout, um, you know, the one-off episodes that Stephen Moffat has written um, during the Davies era. And then now that he's, you know, showrunner, there are a lot of things that have been construed as being sexist or misogynist. And if you don't know that, you, you, you know, the argument can definitely made that you won't notice. And uh, but if if you have that mindset about him, if that's what you really think he is, if, um, if you really do think he's sexist and you go back and you look at those, there are a lot of things that he's written that if that's in the back of your mind that you see differently. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's true, mm-hmm. but if that is the thing in the back of your mind, you watch an episode that you previously loved and you hear just these little tidbits you know, strewn throughout things that he's written. Yeah. And you see it differently and you're like, huh. Like, is that... It kind of like leaves this like weird taste in your mouth. It like, does. And I weird. hate saying that because he's written some of my favorite episodes. And yeah. he he's done some very interesting things as showrunner. Some things I love, some things I'm not super mm-hmm. crazy about. But um, but again, he he wrote Blink, my favorite episode. And Which again, like features that. a very strong, resourceful female character. But if again, if you have that sort of if you if you're looking at it with that framework, it does leave that really bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that's true, but go and look again and and sort of keep that in mind. Keep it with an open mind, yeah. and then sort of make that decision. And we're for we're 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 open to all opinions on this. And and again, it's it's not what what we're saying. It's just it's something that I read and it really got me curious about what the fans thought and what what you guys thought, obviously, um, and what you said, Yale, that kind of like blew my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. So all of the second half of season seven, uh, Jenna, my co-host, and I, uh, we were we were just dumbstruck. We were like, we love Clara and we love her chemistry with Matt Smith why do we not like her in this episode? Why do we not like her in this episode? And it happened over and over and over again. And you're right. She was stripped of a lot of what made her amazing, which is her resourcefulness, her brilliance, um, her her toughness in the face of danger. But once you view it in the context of Name of the Doctor, where those are uh, pieces of Clara that were designed to save the doctor that had been scattered throughout time versus a girl who had been living a pretty normal life up until she met the doctor. She hadn't really learned those skills yet that she was in her timeline later able to use in our timeline we saw first. So like we, we got to see her at her best and then we had to watch her evolve to that again, which made her kind of boring. And disappointing. Yeah. I think also in this episode she... What did she do? She opened a door that wasn't locked. She got the vortex manipulator before the Zygons. Okay. But that, okay. And, uh. She convinced the doctors not to blow up Gallifrey. But again, that is a note that has been hit on this show many, many times. Star whales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, but still, she played a crucial role. I will admit she didn't get the most material to deal with, but we had three doctors to deal with. Um, so again, not our perspective per se, but it's it's a conversation worth having. 
I, I don't think that he's misogynistic. I do think that it's that the writing isn't always the most balanced. I'd like to throw out the uh, the just the other quote that sure, we had. Sure, please. Uh, it was John Hurt's doctor says to Clara that that he hopes that he's half the man that she is. Which uh, I don't see that as bad, but it, you, I, I leave it up to the audience. I just sound sound off there. in the comments. Um, all right, so we have to wrap this up. Uh, I want to no. thank you both. I know, I know. We we <laughs> are so crunched for time, and we're delaying another show. Uh, we will continue this discussion. Uh, and talk about more of the things that we love. Talk about Zygons. Talk about funny quotes. Talk about all the little bits that we loved uh, when we talk about adventure in space and time. Hopefully this week I will tweet out the exact time uh, that we will be recording that. It will hopefully be dropping pre-Thanksgiving. If not, it will be dropping sometime next week. Um, and I just want to reiterate that this episode was so awesome and so wonderful. I feel like this like last bit of conversation kind of dragged the mood down. But on the whole, we effing loved this special. <laughs> it and, was epic. And I'm sure that you did too. And I want to hear all about it from all of you. And so do my co-hosts. Uh, Yale, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, on the internet, you can find me at yell.tv. That is Y-A-E-L dot TV. And on Twitter, at Yell Teagle. Y-A-E-L-T-Y-G-I-E-L. All right. And Megan, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on the AfterBuzz show for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a lot of fun. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Manguin, and that's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Fantastic. And I just want to throw a quick plug to our, our, our dear friend Jenna Bush, who is not here tonight. Uh, follow her on Twitter and show her some love. Uh, it's at Jenna Bush. That's J-E-N-N-A-B-U-S-C-H. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. You can also find me here on AfterBuzz TV on the Sleepy Hollow, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Sons of Anarchy, and now Almost Human After Shows. If you haven't checked that show out yet, two episodes have aired. It's still early. You can you can jump on. It's cool. It's about androids and cops and Carl Urban's in it. And it's yes. pretty kick butt. Uh, I de- highly, highly recommend it. Thank you both so much for joining us. Big thanks to Gia Molina, Alan Kistler. Uh, we will be talking more about this show in the coming weeks, and we cannot wait for the Christmas special. Please, please come back for that. Thank you to all the Whovians. Good night. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.